Welcome to the Mark Rose Podcast. Today's guest is going to invigorate you, excite you, enliven you, move you, motivate you, all the things. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, this gentleman through a good friend, a mutual friend, Nick Onken, who's an incredible photographer and makes beautiful hats. So you got to check him out. This guy, his presence is energizing. Like, I don't know that there's any other way to say it. He's so introspective. He's had an incredibly, just incredible life story, his transformation, his healing. His, I mean, it's it, it, to hear it for the first time, I was like, holy shit, I, I had no idea. And honestly, just such a beautiful convo. And I'm so excited to share it with you today. So before we jump into that, as you know, what I need, what I need, the support I need, right? I teach being good at asking for what you need, so I'm doing it. Uh, can you please, wherever you listen to this, subscribe to it so you don't miss an episode, leave a five-star review, a written review, and of course, if this episode resonates with your soul or any of them do, please share them so that they might hit someone else's soul too. Your support has meant so much and I appreciate you. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating, and that is asking the right questions. And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions, questions that determine if someone wants what you want, what you are, what your relationship status is, that, that deepen vulnerability and intimacy. And ultimately, asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say, that's too hard to ask, or it's too soon to ask that, or whatever the excuse or thought or feeling or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, the deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second, I've got it in four sections. So we've got foreplay, diving deeper, too much information, because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI, and building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple, then go to createthelove.com slash cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks and I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about, is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com slash cards and grab a set now. Without further ado, here's Drew Canoli. 
Mr. Drew Cannoli on the podcast today. Welcome, sir. Thank you, my friend. It's good to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you. So for people who are not maybe familiar with Drew Cannoli's work, uh, one, you got to follow him on Instagram because he's always doing the coolest shit where I'm like, what? You're doing a video from inside some sort of incubator looking thing. And <laughs> <laughs> so I think that sort of supports uh, the intro of titling. One, you're a founder, a founder of many things, but especially Organifi, which I love your company. You're doing amazing things, uh, especially like giving the body the nutrients and all the things that we need in order to be fueled and use our minds and heal and all that. And I can't wait for the audience to hear where that comes from. Yes. You're also like, so like a ninja of biology, like really interested in, um, I like that, you know, ninja of biology. That's good. That's what I sort of feel like whenever I talk to you, I'm so intrigued by the different ways that you're playing with. And and I say with, because you're really interacting with your body in a way you want, where you want to learn more from this incredible being that we are. Is that a fair accurate introduction. I feel like it. I love it. I think it's real. I think it comes from your heart. And I think when we're in our heart, you know, that sacred vehicle that we have, I think we're connected and we're tapped in and I think people will feel it. Yeah. True that. Did you feel it? I felt it. Shit. Then that's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. So, I mean, first off, like the interest that you have in biology and human behavior and all that kind of stuff, I want to get into, I'm sure it's all correlated, like why the creation of Organifi became and maybe what your journey was that got you to this moment. Let's, let's do that. Let's dive into like, because I really think we become the teacher we needed. You know, we like turn our passion, we turn our pain into our, our purpose and our mission. So like, what brought you here? What brought you to this space, to this place in time? Well, I think, you know, given the fact you you and me, we have a lot in common, right? It's like, I know in my own journey, I turned my mess into my mission and meaning from the ages of zero to five, I was physically tortured by my dad. Like it was one of the worst events in history. In Cadillac, Michigan, the small town, they, the newspapers printed up articles of these two kids and my sister April and I and how we were so badly abused that we would always be stamped, emotionally uh, disrupted, children, damaged And any parent that was bold enough to adopt us into a home with this title, there was bound to be repercussion. There was bound to be trials and tribulations with the children that they were actually adopting. So from zero to six, from zero to five, I was abused by my dad. And then I went in foster care for a year. And then I was tortured as well, because how do you indoctrinate a kid into an ordinary family life with a bunch of other foster children when he's used to being programmed through the indoctrination of the parents to say, you know, can you please pass the fucking potatoes and stuff at the dinner table with a bunch of five and six year olds? Like it doesn't work out too well. So hauled off in the bathroom, soap put in the mouth, whipped with the belt again. Uh, only to store all this trauma. And then soon throughout my life, realized that the embodied trauma that I experienced is just fuel and that I could actually use that untapped potential, that fuel source to create a legacy, to create something that impacts millions of people's lives because everybody's experienced trauma, regardless one way or another, we've all had it, but it's how do we deal with it? How do we fire off that rocket of desire into the stratosphere so that we can impact other people with our mess? So it's really been about turning my mess into my mission and making my life about helping people feel good in their body. Because I believe when we feel good in our body through uh, mental, first of all, what kind of mental diet do we have? Is there a bunch of psychological information, inflammation in your brain? 
from the information that you're absorbing from CNN negative news or from any source from your gossiping friends or whatever? Or is it, you know, information food? Because food switches like a light switch on and off our genetic potential and our code. And it makes us feel whole and complete depending on the food that we're eating, or it makes us feel separate and lonely based on the neurochemicals and the different transmitters of the brain that are firing up. So I've made it my life work to give this resource to people, this most optimal fuel source when it comes to the thoughts, the mindset, when it comes to the body, you know, activating the body and when it comes to aligning the soul. And I think when we do those three things, we can radically shift uh, how we show up in the world and how we show up in the world changes everything about how the world show ups for us. So you smile and the whole whole world smiles back like the song, right? Well, I'm curious because, you know, as you went through that as a young person, as a, I mean, as a child, where was the transition period where the trauma was showing up in your life in a way that was creating disruption and disconnection and all the things to where there was this switch and what was the switch, what lit it up, what made you, because it's a beautiful perspective. And I'm curious, like, how did you get there? What was the mindset shift? Yeah, it was attracting a whole cadre of uh, mentors and healers in my life that actually showed me there is a better way. Um, I had a grandma that taught me how to pray at a really young age. Mm. So before I went to bed every night, I was praying for, you know, the goldfish, the gerbil that I had when I was adopted into the family, my mom and dad, you know, my cousins. And one night I prayed to forgive my dad. And it was the mm. forgiveness that was the great switch. I was six years old and I remember I had tears coming out of my eyes and I just said, you know what, God, I forgive the man, my dad, for everything that he did to me. I was six years old and I released it and I felt that lift off my heart. Now, was there still samskara or trauma in my body or in this energy matrix? Absolutely. I was still upset. I, I had something to prove until, and I still do, there's a piece of me because I don't know if it ever goes away. But uh, mm. up until 29 years old, I had to prove how great I was. Mm. Look at how smart I am. I read thousands of books. I was reading a book a day for a while. I worked out, reworked my ass off, you know, like yeah. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to be more intelligent. I'm going to communicate more effectively. I'm going to do whatever it takes to prove that I'm good enough to be loved. Because that was the great despair for me. My parents abandoned me. I was left outside for two weeks once and they slid my food out of a doggy door. Like I literally had to eat like a dog, like a, you know, like a pet. And uh, wow. yeah, so I had to prove I was good enough to be loved. And then uh, that transitioned into meeting with a mentor who showed me how great a father's love really is. And we met every morning for five years straight. And we read the Bible and different scripture and different things like that. And it totally elevated me and gave me a new perspective. And it radically shifted my whole entire life and how I observed my reality. So powerful stuff. Wow. And that, so when did you meet that mentor? How old were you? I was probably, I think, 29, maybe 30. I was. Oh, yeah. So that delineation that yeah. you were saying till about 29, yeah. you were fueled with this, I want to yeah. be enough. I'm going to show, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to do all these things to a place of like, I, I think that's an interesting transition, you know, where it's like our survival strategy is to chase perfection, chase achievement, to be externally validated to this place, like I'm going to serve. And that actually is going to be love. And I'm going to experience what is unconditional love within myself to give and not expect anything in return. 
Yeah, because when you're focused out, there's no doubt. It just goes away. And the way Frank yeah, Frank showed up for me, this man, you know, 86-year-old Sage at the wow. time, now he's like, you know, probably, you know, getting from a 3D wise, I mean, he's up there. But he's so tapped in. He's so tuned into who he is. He's so clear when he communicates, so present. He's probably the most present human I've ever met. He's a guy that would walk into a room and um, people would have tears coming out of their eyes because of the joy, the exuberant joy he would express in these years. Uh, it's almost like he's a five-year-old at heart. You know, he just has this unbridled joy. He showed me how to love. He showed me how to love myself. He showed me how to really, you know, listen to my body. And so <clears throat> since I was a kid, I would, you know, the trauma forced me into my head so much to where I didn't even know what it felt like to be in my body, to be home. And from that moment on, I realized how good I could um, allow this body to feel through proper nutrition, through proper proper information of the mind, mindset books, you know, reading and, and all the stuff that I started doing and, and helping other people that it just lit me ablaze. I literally <clears throat> became on fire with life. And I wanted to, I wanted to give this, this uh, infectious um, love to every single person I came in contact with. You know, I'd never even had a hug. Like I was afraid to hug people. I was a little shy back then. And the first time Frank met me, he, he started JCPenney in Italy and he planted a big kiss right on me. I'm like, what is this? Like men aren't supposed to kiss each other like this. And he did it in a loving, endearing way. You know, there was no byproduct or ulterior motive, but it was just this, uh, it was this rapturous love that he had. And it completely changed who I was and who I be from that moment on. I started seeing life differently and I started looking at life through the eyes of love. You know, like every person that I came in contact with was a child of God. They were a vessel disguised as source, you know, and, and as I witnessed these people, the more and more love I had in my heart and the more and more love reflected back to me. What was the transition then in that perspective? How did that have you start to see your trauma? your childhood and like what you'd been through. Cause it sounds like it was already your rocket fuel, but like yeah. what was, and I know you said that you went from being more internally focused and achievement based to being more externally serving. Like I want to serve the world. I want to love other people. I want to show people this gateway to yeah. possibility. So like, what was it like then from that perspective? Like I'm sure it was a, uh, not a, just maybe a moment, but what was the transition like to look at what you'd been through? Yeah, I all the success, all the achievement, all the chasing, all of the desires of the 3D world, you know, the watches, the houses, the cars, everything that I had paled in comparison to uh, being empty, that empty shell that I had inside of myself. It was worthless. As a man's pursuit in the world, I was like, all right, well, all the stuff that I worked for uh, in my life, all of the you know achievement, it didn't really amount to anything. Because it got to a point to where I, I just didn't feel I was numb. I was numb inside. My heart was numb. I didn't really sit with the shadow of Drew and understand why I was doing that, why I was a womanizer back then, why I had all these uh, issues connecting, right? So then when I realized that I had work to do and I, I was blessed to do the work with people that loved me and cared about me and would tell me every day, you know, Drew, you're enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you are loved and I love you. And this man would, you know, grab my shoulder and he would just, you know, beam me with his blue eyes. And he's like, I, I love you, you know? And he's like, mm -hmm. I want to let you know how great you're going to be and how many people's lives are going to change just by showing up. You don't have to do anything. Like you are the gift. 
alone. Just by being you, your heart beats itself. Your eye sees itself. Like there's nothing for you to do. You're at the table already. He told me you're sitting here with the Kings and Queens of this planet and you deserve to be here. So welcome. And he would just pour these messages into me. Wow. Yeah. And it would, uh, it just totally shifted my whole perception, my ways of being. And I started looking at my trauma as a gift from that point on. It's like, wow. You know, we're all individual as, as different as you and I are and our, our fingerprint, our thumbprint and our eyes and, and everything about us. We're so different. We're each one of us is just a miracle in disguise. So I started seeing life like that and I was forever shifted. Yeah, I remember reading a book where one of the practices was to look at everybody through the eyes of Christ as if you were Christ. And it was such a transformative experience for me just to, you know, because I'd already been compassionate or empathic or, you know, whatever. But it was like this next level of like really witnessing people and their suffering and everything they're going through, which is why it's so easy to not get caught up in the political divisiveness or the divisiveness in general. It's easy to get caught up from a biological human amygdala level because that's what it's designed to do. But then to step back into like, if you ever walked a mile in someone else's shoes, you'd understand why they are the way they are today and to meet them in that. Absolutely. And there's so much more compassion. There's so much more love. There's so much peace, serenity, joy in those moments that you don't want to leave that place. You know, it's, it's the new yeah, world. Yeah, it becomes home. Yeah, it's all of a sudden like, why is it so peaceful here? I don't want to go anywhere but here. And I want other people to join, which is that delivery of, you know, what you're talking about in your life's mission is, is to mirror that possibility, to be that space. Yeah, and when you're that space, you don't need to prove anything. There's nothing to get. There's no one to chase. What you're chasing is already chasing you. It's coming to you right here, right now. And you just show up and you get to show up in such a way to where every single person you come into contact with, their guard just automatically drops, Wow! you know, and there's so much more love. And that's what this is about. So you were, because you were like an OG in the fitness tech world, right? And like, what was the first uh, big tech company that you had? <laughs> it was a debt and settlement company and credit. I helped people. It was called... Uh, Waterfield back in the day. And then I started FitLife TV. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. FitLife television. Yeah. It was a website. I posted videos every day. I had an HD flip cam and I would just upload it to my little uh, Mac computer back in the day. And I would edit my own videos and I would add my own music. And I just wanted to help people. I saved, you know, I, I put like 60 grand in my bank. I saved my whole life savings. And I'm like, I don't care how much money this makes me. I'm just going to give relentlessly. I'm going to start a company, call it FitLife TV. I'm going to talk about what I'm passionate about. And I'm just going to help people. And I'm going to talk about the benefits of juicing because I started to feel really good just drinking green juice every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? I no longer was craving things that I once was like sugar, dairy, wheat, artificial sweeteners, all these artificial colorings and everything. I started to learn what chemicals and the residue that we put in our bodies with the lotions and the cream that we put on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a juice cleanse was my next step. Seven days. I'm just going to juice green juice every single day. That's it. <laughs> That's and amazing. I, I went, I lost 40 pounds in 90 days, just drinking juice every day, not adding, you know, any other diet practice to it or anything, not working out excessively, still eating, you know, eating healthy food, but just adding a 32 ounce green juice every day, 90 days, 40 pounds gone. I got a six pack. I got in the best shape of my life. And I built this online following of like seven and a half million people. 
on YouTube, Facebook, you know, back before Instagram, all this other stuff, it was all organic reach. People just wanted to feel good and it was contagious. So you become contagious, the better you feel because people want to be around a good feeling resonance, right? We're energy bodies too. So yeah, I mean, Fit Life TV, it was, we jammed out. I created books and uh, a recipe book that people still write in today. And they're like, this book changed my life and train your taste to trim your waist was another one. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. To trim your waist. I love it. They're all such good catchy too. (laughs) Yeah. So what about the, how did you transition then into Organifi? Yeah. So Organifi, we were, we were building momentum with how good people were feeling. We had this 90 day challenge every year. We would give away thousands of dollars. We gave away saunas. We gave away juicers. We gave away all this stuff just to give. And I was also selling digital products back then, but the Facebook algorithm shifted. We were getting 17 million hits on our website per month organically, right? Damn, that's a lot. We had eight employees that were all part of the team, part of the family. And for nine months in a row, I was losing 50 grand, 60 grand, you know, 70 grand one month, lost over $500,000 in nine months. And I was about to go out of business. So all the goodwill, everything that I had done for six years previous to launching the algorithm shift. So Facebook got rid of organic reach because they wanted to run more ads. I remember that. It was like, I had so much organic reach and then in. Yeah. Like Instagram's doing now, right? Like all these apps do. So I can't blame them. They're just trying to make money too and censoring us and everything else, which is (laughs) and realizing like, as they say in the social dilemma, if you don't know what the product is, you are the product. So we just keep being commodified. Yeah, exactly. They make our lives easier and we give them more and more authority over our lives, which, right. um, Yeah. So organic reach died, lost all that traffic, 16 and a half million clicks per month to the website, which you don't have to be a smart marketer to make money off 16 million people. Like I literally was just selling a 97 out an offer and juice course. I was helping people juice. That's it. I was teaching them how to juice veggies and shop and buy things that were non GMO back then and how to remove chemicals from their diet. And we were doing a tremendous service and people saw that I gave away so much content, like two videos a week for free, really good, high level quality. I posted over a thousand videos on YouTube, right? Wow. Then organic reach died completely. And I was sitting around at this local juice bar called Vitality Tap in San Diego. And we all looked at each other and we're like, hey, this is the come to Jesus moment. Like we could literally not be in business three months from now. And I placed a PO for 3000 units of a green juice that we taste tested 52 times. And we looked at over a hundred different ingredients to put in this stuff. We chose 11 and we're like, well, we'll see what happens. You know, and I just knew I had absolute faith that if we created the world's greatest green juice that tasted better, that had these ancient Ayurvedic adaptogens like uh, ashwagandha, you know, that wasn't added to green juice, that lowered cortisol and the clinical trials of the strain that we used in our ashwagandha that helps promote a healthy response to stress, right? Mm-hmm. Cortisol. Makes uh, sense from like help. trauma response, yeah. like freeze, your, your like nervous system. Yeah. Nutrition for a regulated nervous system. Yeah, weight management, also energy and strength. Guys were seeing increase in testosterone from taking this stuff. Like, there's so- wait, is this the green juice that I take today? Like the yeah. one that I oh, yeah. dang, that stuff's good too. And I've noticed your beard's coming in a lot more full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean. Listen, if I could add five more hairs per cheek on this beard, I'd be- <laughs> kill it. I will say it's an adaptogen though. So for women, it's completely different. Like. 
like all superfoods are like it affects women completely different. So we decided to start using superfoods in our uh, elixirs that we were creating and green juice launched. And I remember it like it was yesterday. We're all sitting in my office, my booming 800 square foot condo that I lived in at the same time. You know, there was like six of us in there and I posted on Facebook. I'm like, Hey guys, it's finally here. Our first run waited around for an hour and a half looking at the computer, no sales, right? We posted it on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And then sure enough, one sale hit, you know, $67, uh, you know, Cindy from Nebraska bought Organifi Green Juice. We waited another hour, another sale. So two sales. And at this point I'm thinking, all right, a sale an hour, that's not going to get us out of where we were, right? Yeah. What was your first run again? How many? 3,000 units. So I still had absolute faith, posted it again, right? And uh, sure enough, 20 more orders, 100 more orders, 1,000 orders in like the first 12 hours, 3,000 orders in the first two days. So we sold out. Wow. And then we sold out five times in a row, like of green juice, right? Mind you, we didn't have any other SKUs. This was just our first run. Yeah. So we ended up selling like in the first 90 days, like 20,000 units. And it saved all the goodwill, all the work, all the giving, all the videos that we created, all the the healing work that people were doing by using the information on their own was enough to like advance us, uh, I think, spiritually to help the world in an even bigger way. So then we just started creating other superfoods at about a year and a half into it at Organifi, choosing the world's greatest ingredients, non-GMO. We just last year became glyphosate free, which is yeah. a huge feat, huge feat. Yeah. Especially in America, right? Especially in America. It's everywhere. It's in our soil. It's in the water. I mean, and if you don't know what it is, guys, it's an antibiotic uh, that protects the soil from bugs and stuff like that. Well, bugs are the sexual glands of planet Earth, Mama Gia. So if we're killing off these bugs and it's destroying their microbiota to get rid of them, what's it doing to our microbiota? I mean, there's so much information and research being posted right now from this. And uh, for us to have the that stamp on it and non-GMO and USD organic, I mean, it's there's nothing like it. Is glyphosate Roundup? Yeah, glyphosate. Yeah, glyphosate. So glyphosate, because it's um, I mean, it's been now the company that created it, was it Bayer? Um, I forget, but they were found guilty of yeah. Bayer Crop Science, I believe, owns it. Yeah. I I, I want to make sure. I'm not sure that that's true. So if you're listening, and you're like, no, it's yeah. another company. I'm like. Okay, possibly. But yeah, that's because it's connected to a lot of uh, cancers. It's connected, They've been found actually liable, I believe. Yeah, and it's just wiping out our insects, man. Like literally, like 50, what is it? 50% of all insects have like gone extinct because of the different chemicals that are on planet Earth right now. Uh, well, to think that we oh. are doing so much with our food that is about like, we think we're smarter than mother nature. So we're trying yeah. to create these plastic burgers that are vegetarian, but taste like beef, but they're actually like not, I mean, they're all lab creations. And yeah. And you have these big tech giants that are now investing in more land than um, anybody else on the planet. And they're also developing genetically modified mosquitoes. They're developing bees that are like nanotech bees. Like it's just getting weird, dude. It's like a science fiction movie. Like God created these insects perfectly. Like, why are we trying to alter something that's already created? Perfect. Like, are we, who are we kidding? You know, well, it's that step where we think we are God, you know, and it's, yeah. uh, 
it's it, it, there's not a humility to the behavior in and of itself you know like we think we can create a drug that will heal everything and that's certainly not true we've seen that from i mean i'm a i'm a recovering pharmaceutical rep so i'm well aware yes i remember that yeah so you know you like witness it within it. and i remember when i was a rep you know you like look back as your awareness comes because when you're starting you know you're like a young person they're like parties when you're at your national meetings you know and it's when you fit, when you wake up within the work, you kind of are like, I started to see like, wow, so many of the things that I'm selling products for, not all of it, but a lot of it were, um, the root cause was, I mean, the cause of all disease inflammation, but the root cause were emotional things, you know, relational things, trauma. And you start to get into the deep understanding of all that. And you realize that, you know, things like, um, doing the work within personal growth, but also nutrition. So your body can start to rest. So you're giving it nutrients. Yes. And that's the big thing. It's like the body already knows how to heal the body. And like you right. said, right. the, it's the greatest healer on the planet. Like how are you going to create something that has an autonomic nervous system that breathes itself? Right. Like, good luck. Try to do that in a lab or <laughs> right. on their own to produce a heart right? Or, or an eye, one neuron, one nerve to every single muscle in the eye with HD cameras in your eyes that we don't even know how it does what it does, but it does it. So we think we're, like you said, it's like this God complex, right? We try to create all these things and we're just running mother earth into the ground by raping her essentially. And I know that's a, a bad word to use. Like it, it feels emotional to me, yeah. but it's, um, I think it communicates the severity of the situation, though. Yeah. And we're at a, a tipping point on planet Earth to where we better start listening. Otherwise, these no. fires and all the other stuff that's happening, it's only going to continue to perpetuate and get even worse. So it's a wake up call. Well, in order to plummet the Earth, we have to be void of empathy. You know, you yeah. have to not be connected, like to, you know, to step on anything, to kill anything, you have to start yeah. to, unless it's in a space of reverence and thanking the thing that you're eating, you know, like the indigenous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what a shift. I mean, so you, so to get back, we'll be able to keep going on tangents, but to, to close that loop, you started this, you created the green juice, you created a bunch of other things. And now Organifi yeah. has gotten rid of glyphosate. Yeah. Glyphosate. I know. When, when I first started saying this, I said it right. every time. My team was like, hey, this is how you say it. Organifi has gotten rid of glyphosate. There you go. Perfect. Got it. Got it. And nailed it. Yeah. Done. Send it. Um, yeah. So now Organifi, you know, we have almost 100 people in San Diego that are all heart-centered, that are all in the mission and the movement. We've been voted one of the uh, best places to work in the country three years in a row. Wow. Which is cool. Culture-wise. Everything's yeah. culture for us. Like you can make all the money in the world doing things and selling things online. But when you create a family that loves doing like helping each other and loves helping the world, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Right. Amen so that. We're stoked. And um, we've grown so fast just by creating food that helps people feel better. Food that loves their body back. Right. That they crave. Like uh, one of our, our newest drinks is called Harmony. And Harmony is loaded with adaptogens. You got maca in there. You got shadavari. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. Shadavari. Sounds good. Yeah. 
It uh, translates, you'll like this and your listeners will love this too, but it translates to one who possesses a hundred husbands. And it's the fresh juice of plant roots used in several classic formulas tied to sexual tonics. And this is our Harmony product at Organifi. It's often used as an aphrodisiac in uh, women's elixirs. It also enhances fertility in men and women because it's an adaptogen, right? Yeah. And then you got maca, right? Maca, you've probably taken it before a workout. It's like Mother Nature's greatest pre-workout for energy. You get the libido benefits and sexual function. It also balances hormone levels. So we choose ingredients to do a very specific thing, already working with the body that heals itself, already complementing it, not taking away, not mugging the body of any nutrients that actually tastes good. And there's cacao in there too, which we love the taste of cacao. It has ananamanamides, which actually open your heart up. So mm. you're opening your heart up when you're taking these foods that give you more energy, that have you perceive the world differently, what you receive starts to change, like I talked about earlier. And we've seen that time and time again. It's uh, absolutely incredible, loaded with polyphenols. And uh, it's so antioxidant rich because of the magnesium that's in it. We're so deficient in magnesium today from all the coffee we drink and everything that we do. The psychological inflammation drains it. Mm-hmm. So cacao is just loaded with uh, magnesium. Well, the chocolate gold is my go-to. It's the yeah. greatest drink I've ever had in my life. And I'm not saying that you know, uh, in, in, with any exaggeration. I'm a chocolate fiend, but the chocolate gold is... It's unreal. Yeah, there's nothing that tastes like this. And we use monk fruit to sweeten it, so there's no sugar. You have the turkey tail, which is an amazing uh, immune bolstering effects, right? Remedying different things. And uh, reishi's in there, which is the queen of all mushrooms. And reishi is just absolutely amazing for calming the central nervous system, for helping you breathe, for slowing things down. And, And the gold infused with the turmeric, the reishi, the ginger, there's a little cayenne and cinnamon that gives it like this nice flavor. And when you mix it with gold, it's almost like Autumn had a baby with a chocolate marshmallow. It (laughs) melts in your mouth. It's so good. I used to work at a restaurant. We were taught to romance our dishes. I feel like you just romance that. I feel really- You have to. Well, I think for people to recognize, like as you start, like transformation occurs when we often hit some sort of rock bottom, because there's something about the human experience that we need to hit a dead end before we start changing. Now, that's not true. You can feel some sense of discomfort and want to change, but we're conditioned to like go down very familiar certain paths, even if they're predictably painful. And, you know, I think about the, when you choose healthy decisions from a nutritional perspective, you're given immediate feedback, like immediate feedback that says, I care about myself. I chose this food that validates that. And your body goes, you care about me. I can feel this food is from a place of love. That's why I think nutrition and exercise are two of the quickest gateways to self-worth. And from there, you can start to build boundaries and start to do more self-expression because you're coming from a more solid space of self-worth and boundaries have to come from a place like the first time you ever lay a boundary, if you don't think you love yourself, you're making this leap into love. Now it's a beautiful leap, but it requires jumping right off the cliff. And that's why I think nutritional choices and lifestyle choices are actually a great way to start to trust yourself again. As you you were talking about like recovery from trauma, like that's one of the first steps is recognizing you you have the ability to choose. And um, that's why, you know, when I think about nutrition, it's such a simple way. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you said it better than I could. And I believe it, you know, when we have boundaries, when we eat healthy food every single day, when we're working out, again, our world shifts and how we see the world starts to change. And the more we admire ourselves, the more the world admires us. And the, the potential suitor that you'll attract when you're vibrating at a high level, everything's frequency. So if I'm eating high frequency food energetically and scientifically through quantum physics or co uh, quantum consciousness or whatever you want to call it, you are literally magnetizing something like you. Like attracts like, light attracts light. And um, I believe that, you know, the more we pour self-love into ourselves, the more space we can hold for another human being. And that's real. Like, I feel that. I 100% agree with you. And it's, it's something that is, you start to feel like, like when you really sit and live in your own standards, you will not allow anyone to lower your standards. Yeah. And they won't show up, you know, uh, no. like in the matrix when he's like, is he going to be able to dodge bullets? And Morpheus says when, when he's ready, he won't have to. It's like all the things that we think are the limiting beliefs, the bullets of this past relationships, all this samskara, all this trauma, all these self-worth issues. When we fix ourselves. None of that's even going to come near you. It's like 10,000 arrows are going to fly at night towards you. And you'll just walk through the valley smiling because you know you're under complete control and completely protected. And I think uh, the more self-love we have for this miracle multidimensional suit and the more reverence we have for what God has given us, I think, yeah, now what we'll bring into our life is incredible. What were the steps that you went through to do that with your body? Like to go through what you went through as a child at that level of torture, like where your father was sent to prison, right? Oh yeah. Three life sentences. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's from some serious shit. Yeah. But is it, you know, now I can say that, but back then it was very serious. So I get it. And anybody yeah. that's hearing that, it's like, Whoa, that's pretty grotesque. You know, he'd put cigarettes out of my head if I couldn't tie my shoes fast enough. Like, um, and that stores itself in our body. The body's the unconscious mind, right? Yeah. For me, I'm a big student of Peter Levine's work. There's a book called Healing Trauma. And I don't know if you've ever had anybody on where they talk about shaking or trauma release exercises or... Oh, tell us more about that. Yeah. So uh, I do it five minutes a day and I've been doing this for probably five years. You Literally, I do a wall sit for, you know, like a you squat 90 degrees up against the wall, hold your legs, flex your legs, get them shaking a little bit, exhaust your legs. And then I lay on the ground and I put my feet together. And I put my knees out like this up at another 90 degree angle. And what happens is my legs start shaking. It's called tremoring. And you ride the tremor wave. You move your legs up and down like in a butterfly position, just really slowly. Yeah. So bottoms of feet are together. Yeah. Knees are spread out. You're on your back. Yeah. And you're starting because you've exhausted your uh, hip flexors, your glutes, exactly. and your quads. The sh the um, tremor is available, right? Yeah, okay. and then you ride the wave like a surfer. You're riding the tremor wave, and it shakes and shakes. And sometimes the titration will be bigger, shaking like, and then it'll be smaller, like little vibrations. You barely see them, but you can feel them in your body. And as you're doing this, your central nervous system is actually resetting itself. It's like hitting the control alt delete system of the trauma of the past. It's minimizing it. It's shrinking it up. Sometimes you get visual sensations in your prefrontal cortex. Boom. Wow. I stepped on a nail when I was eight. I just saw the image of it. I was paddled by my dad when I was 12. I just had an image of it. And it's like leaving your mind. There's no emotion to it. I'm not crying. There's no, Sometimes it comes up a little bit. You can get a little emotional. But most of the time, it's just, hey, the tremor's releasing itself. Okay. It's leaving. 
And then you do this five minutes a day, over the course of about 90 days, your life will be completely transformed. It doesn't matter how much trauma you have in your body. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, even, you don't even need a psychologist to do it. Like I literally have done this so many times on my own that the body knows when to stop. I don't try to force it. I'm not trying to do it for two hours straight because I know naturally my autonomic nervous system's like, hey, you've done enough. And then you just do it the next day. And over time, your body's titrating all that trauma out. So there's a reason for this. If you look like a, if you look at a gazelle in the wild and all of a sudden the cheetah comes running out of nowhere, 65 miles an hour, it's a spectacle, right? You've seen it on National Geographic, these shows, poof, grabs the gazelle by the neck, drags it off in the woods, and the gazelle goes in what's called dorsal freeze. It just freezes mm-hmm. there. It acts like it's dead. Now it's laying there. Cheetah goes off to get the cubs, thinks the gazelle's dead. Right? It went to fight or flight into dorsal freeze. It's just laying there. All of a sudden, cheetah runs away, gets the cubs. Gazelle jumps up, goes back to the herd. This is key. Goes back to the herd. There's like 50 other gazelle. And it's like being in the, the Zion when they're all dancing in the caves. The gazelles start running around. The, he's kicking his legs up. You know, Meanwhile, his neck's bleeding a little bit, but he knows he's going to be okay or she's going to be okay. And uh, she's kicking, she's running around, and the rest of the gazelle are doing it with her. So it's wow. the group release. She's shaking it off. Mother Nature knows how to get rid of trauma. She's shaking it off. She's like, F this, this cheetah. Like, I'm still alive, you know? Uh-huh. And, He's the uh, day. Yeah. So that vagus nervous system, the oldest nerve we have in the human body that's in charge of monitoring the trauma in this multidimensional suit, releases it through titration, releases it through the TRE exercises, and you immediately start feeling better. You literally upgrade your life by doing this five minutes a day. They've also studied little kids where there's these massive like bombs going off, like in India and different parts of the world. And the, the kids would come up and sit on the parents' laps. And as they're sitting on the lap, same day the bombs like were exploding, they would start shaking And then the next day they were out on the playground again. Meanwhile, the adults would hold on to it for months, afraid to go outside, like questioning everything. It's because we don't shake, we don't dance, we don't move our bodies to really let it out. That vagus nervous system needs to do that. So if you get anything out of this one line of this whole entire amazing podcast by Mr. Mark Groves, just do TRE and see how it changes your life. It's free. You don't need to pay anything for it. Google it. It's on there. I filmed a video doing it. You can see what it's all about. It's transformative. So the idea that the body uh, releases the energy that's stored up within uh, the it, within the body's memory, within the tissues. Yes, it's all there. Wow. And so for you, you did this every day for the last five years. Have you taken on any other practices that you found really helpful for uh, moving through trauma or just even releasing the past? I think, you know, what really helped me, Landmark was pretty pivotal. If you've Yeah, the course. Yep. Yeah, asked. And then also ALA, Ascension Leadership Academy was good. I think working with the psychologist, cranial sacral therapy has been awesome for me. So literally once every week, once every other week, depending on what your budget allows, you know, doing cranial sacral flushes out all that trauma too. It, it's just, it's an amazing thing. Of course, I've done acupuncture and other biohacking stuff as well. Um, catharsis, you know, letting the anger out for me because I lean more towards anger versus sadness. Mm -hmm. So there was a period where every day for like a month, I would just scream into a pillow as loud as I could for like 10 minutes. Yeah. I did it with boxing. Just letting it out. Yeah. Boxing is great. Lifting heavy weights. Like I lift all the time. 
and it really it pays. You know, you you got to let that anger out somehow. Yeah, I remember hearing a quote that uh, anger is sad's bodyguard. And I like that. It's sort of like, I think a lot of us um, are socialized to and more normalized to experience uh, anger as opposed to grief, especially as men. And of course, anger and, and rage are sacred in a lot of ways. Like the emotion of anger is what transforms our world. It's what led you to build the businesses that you built, you yeah. know, until there was a transition at 29. Yes. It's, it serves a purpose for sure. Because without it, I would have been like, oh, well, uh, I was abused and I was tortured and I'm not, it doesn't really affect me. you like, I'm just going to, you know, go in the, the hills and just meditate or like not really have a lot of purpose to help other people. And I think I've channeled it into something that I help people with. And I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, like from an identity perspective, because you were saying that as a young kid, the newspapers reported that, you know, you and your sister were broken. Like, here's these kids that if you adopt them, you're going to be taking on this uh, project and there's likely going to be a lot of problems with them. I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to the idea that they were considered a problem, that they are a problem currently, that they're trying to fix themselves. And so I'm curious any insight you have on that. I think it's... um for me at a young age, I knew because I forgave, I let go of it. And I knew that I had a greater purpose at a young age. I felt it in my heart and people would just present themselves to me and teach me new ways of like living at a really young age. I I remember just witnessing uh, what I wanted in my life. And I chose to focus more on what I wanted to create versus the pain that I had. And I think that was really helpful too. I would tell like literally, man, like I would lay in bed at night and I would visualize myself. This was like as as a seven-year-old, like uh, being successful and having influence, right? I even one night, it's so superficial, but I remember my adopt, my biological dad was like five foot nine and my mom was like five foot. And I remember willing, like literally sitting in bed. It's like, I got to be six foot, like (laughs) imagine myself getting taller, right? Like it's literally, we are living in a dream. And when we participate as the dreamer, when we can wake up in this sacred dream, like you can literally start to change anything. And I think I had that at a young age because I was lucid dreaming at the age of five, you know, to escape this reality, the doom and gloom of being tortured. It's like, now I'm going to become cognitive dissonant and go off in the mental realm. And I'm going to create a world that's much more vast and much more uh, lush in the mental realm than I am in the physical. And eventually the mental realm will catch up to the physical and I'll, this will pay off. If I just go to the mental room enough, if I go to the room of wishful thinking, like Neville Goddard says, then it'll start to shift. And instead of being a problem for my mom and dad, I'm going to become the greatest uh, asset to them. I'm going to give them so much love. I'm going to be a saint to them in their life. And uh, my mom, you know, the biggest heart on the planet, her life path numbers in 11. So she's like an ascended being as it is my biological, what I, what I want to say is my adopted mom, not my biological. We don't really have a much of a relationship with her, my biological mom, but my adopted mom, Connie in Michigan is just such a saint. Like you get on the phone with her and it's like, Oh, I just up leveled my whole entire life talking to her for one second. Like, I just want to go out and give more of myself because of how she shows up. Yeah, to be welcomed into that loving home when you're yeah. so young. And at the time, you know, what's crazy is God works in mysterious ways, man, because everything's so synchronistic. Like we can look back and see why things line up the way that they do. Because at the same time I was tortured, my mom was in an abusive relationship. 
she was married before she married my my dad now, right? My adopted dad, Jeff. So she was tortured. She went through all this abuse. She had all these self-worth issues. She wasn't enough. This guy was a, a ma- like a maniac, uh, punching her, like hitting her. He was an alcoholic, like all this trauma that she experienced. Yeah. So much so that she got ovarian cancer. So wow. her body, there was so much resentment in her body from being in this relationship, for feeling like there was no way out, for feeling like she couldn't escape, that she developed ovarian cancer. So, so they had to cut... Yeah, so much inflammation. So they cut out her female parts to where she wasn't allowed to have a baby. She she couldn't have a kid. And all she wanted to do, Mark, was have kids. And it was her whole life's mission to be a good mom. And like uh-huh. that was taken away from her. So when my sister April and I walked in at the age of six, after being abused our whole entire life, after being tortured with soap shoved in my mouth and cigarettes put on my forehead, my mom looked at us. And the sun came through the window and shined, like shone on April and I. And she said, this is the answer to my prayers. God has gifted me with these children. I know these are going to be my kids. The state's not going to take them away from me. And we're going to live happily ever after. And she poured so much love into us, man. It like literally, I got goose full body chills telling you this story because Mama Connie is the greatest human being there is. And I needed that. Like it literally lined up perfectly. Like here we are. And Jeff, was he in her life at that point? Your your stepdad or your adopted dad? So my mom and dad met when I was born, right? My biological or my adopted parents met in 1981, the year that I was born. So they were together for a few years before they adopted us. And then they were ready. Like they, they, they went through probably like eight uh, foster kids as well that were always taken back from the state. So my mom had all these ups and downs of like taking care of these kids that were never her own. Because they're like temporary homes. Yeah, exactly. So she did the temporary housing stuff. When I say she's a saint, I mean it. Like literally she was teaching autistic children for years. Like one of the biggest years of her life was this autistic kid. He was like 12. His name was Bobby. And she came in one day and it was the first time he had ever smiled in his wheelchair. And she came home crying to tell us about it. I'm like, who is this? Like my mom is literally... Yeah, like it doesn't get much better than that. Especially the light that they've that they uh, welcomed you in with, that allowed you to open your heart, that allowed you to heal, that allowed you to learn forgiveness. Like at six, when you were saying that at six, you're like, "Oh, I'm going to forgive my dad." I'm like, I don't even know that at six or seven, I was even thinking about. Well, I should have thought about being six foot. I didn't do that. But, <laughs> but about the rest of it, you know, to have that level of almost like observational self-awareness, you know, like you said, uh, you went into these dream realms and, you know, it's interesting because yes, that's your survival strategy at that point, but it also becomes you, you have a, such a beautifully developed imagination that is not separate from reality, but the path to what will be your reality, which is really neat. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah. It changed my life. It was literally at night I would meet with different, you know, what we would call probably like, ascended beings like in different dimensions that would teach me things and then I would wake up and I'd be like oh that was interesting you know this language that I've never heard before or this planet that I've never been on and it still happens almost every night now so it's a gift that I've only nourished and I'm just getting started like I'm at the beginning of it I'm a little fruit fly when it comes to what I know about this stuff you know 
Yeah, we had uh, I had uh, Tokaba Turner on the podcast, who's a dream inter- interpretation uh, expert. She's like very famous for it, and it was really a cool because I think like on this podcast we often talk about things that are very linear, you know, like psychotherapy, relational communication, you know, all the standard stuff that's about this existence in this realm. Uh, we had Zach Bush on, which really talked about. Uh, you know, the integration and that there's no space between us and biodiversity and the biome and the microbiome. And I love what you're saying, because if we allow our minds to imagine to possibility things that we don't actually know how this realm works and to be, we don't. And that's proven time and time again. And I think just to imagine if I, sometimes I look at my hands or I'm like looking at something and I'm like, is this real? Like, is this moment real? Because to actually, uh, I think I said to this to you when we were speaking previously, it's like, I remember talking to this spiritual teacher named uh, Gangaji. And I said to her, my mind just feels like it's going to fracture as I try to understand this. Yes. And she said, the mind cannot understand what it was created within. Like, it's not for the mind. Wow. And I thought... Isn't that crazy? Like when she said that, I felt this peacefulness come over me because I was trying to intellectually make this make sense. And I think for anyone listening, I hope this is a validation of your own unconscious or conscious fears, but like it's not meant to, it can't. There has to be this surrender that must occur for us to open up to that. Do you know what I mean? So good. Keep going. You're on fire. Well, no, I want- You literally lit yourself on fire right now. Of that though of like that because whenever i wake up from a dream now since i had that conversation with tokapa i'm like what was that about like not direct that's a message or even when we think like we can speak to the trees we're trying to hear the tree through a voice we're trying to hear it through language but that's not how the natural world communicates which to me is like it's still a learning process but i think a beautiful one yeah, that's uh, alpha waves. You know, it's broken down into different brain waves that we have. So we, we as human beings, like you said, we try to understand and understanding or knowing makes us heavy. And in the dream world, if you're trying to know everything, you can't fly. So when we wake up in the dream or the awakened dream, because they're the same, the dream at night's the same as the dream during the day. And a lot of the unconscious triggers and everything you go through at night actually present themselves later on in the physical space. It's almost a warning indicator, a dashboard of what's coming in your consciousness. So when there's tidal waves coming in, you know, maybe there's fear of a loss coming or, you know, to prepare the ships or whatever, like these are all messages and we just write them off as nothing now in the dream world. But the people that are really tapped in, they're like, oh, what does that mean? Uh, what aspect of me was dreaming that? What's the context over the content? How do I apply that into my life to heal whatever issues that I'm up against, to heal trauma, to heal any relational wounds that I have? Like, how's my dream body telling me this? And then also, you have your dream body, you have your 3D body, you also have your etheric, your auric field, all these other multi dimensional aspects of who you are that are in the quantum realm. So now you have all these individual nodes or access points from you that are constantly sending you information. But because we're in this linear time, this linear thinking, a lot of it's just a wall. It's like, oh, 
And we're, we're just waiting, like we're trying to get more information. And in the getting more information, we're just muting off our supernatural powers that we all have. So the solitude and the silence of connecting to your dream body and your multidimensional self. You know, I, I've had the privilege of working with a Toltec shaman for 13 years and opening different portals and dream time and traveling like the aboriginals would at night. Yeah. We would set a destination and we'd be like, all right, I'll see you on the moon of Titan outside Saturn or Jupiter or whatever, you know, and we'd choose a place to go. And then we'd all wake up in the dream together only to wake up in the awakened dream and talk about the dream that we all had collectively. And right now we're having a collective dream as a whole, as society. And because our beliefs are so strong on gravity, on, you know, my hand, you mentioned your hand, you know, if you cut your hand, the idea is it takes time, linear time to heal your hand. Until we shift that in the collective consciousness where we heal instantly, because that's what we are. And the multidimensional aspect of us is completely whole now in the moment, the eternal now, then your body's going to heal itself like this. But the collective dream that we live in and that we've fallen into is one of linear time that we're transitioning out of sooner than later. Like this is all happening pretty quickly. It's pretty amazing how fast people are waking up right now. Incredible. People are asking questions. You know, they're starting to actually questions as opposed to just believe that what they're told is truth is truth. And that's why I like waking up in one area to what foods you should eat, what you're told to eat versus what's nutritious. That's one area of waking up. If you start questioning that, you start questioning everything. Yeah. Like why do they dump aluminum out of, uh, you know, airplanes to control the weather? You know, what's the big reason for that? One is it is it to control the weather? Is it to, you know, calcify our pineal gland, which is the seat of the soul, like the ancient Egyptians talked about? Why is there fluoride in our water, right? Is that to calcify our pineal gland or is it to have, have our bones get stronger? Like that's a misconception. Your bones don't get stronger from fluoride, but it does. In, mu- in- yeah, mucks up your yeah. pineal gland though, right? And what does DMT do? DMT is the molecule that creates the spiritual adventures that you can go on in dream time and in meditation or, you know, the Satori experiences that we have in this lifetime. And if people are too blind to wake up in those moments, then the consciousness isn't going to go to the level in which we know it can. So I think it's all about choosing foods that help us create more DMT, that help us create more of these spirit molecules in our body that are oxytocin, love in our heart, so we can open up our heart gate, right? Ascension isn't leaving the body. Ascension is coming in from your mind and traveling the longest distance we'll ever take, which is 17 inches. And that's into our sacred heart from our mind. Mm. 17 Mm. inches, but it will change your life forever as soon as you're there. Because everybody, it's, it's all love, you know? Yeah, I like I mean when your body's in that state of wellness then you're you're not fighting for something you're free to sort of travel, free to explore, free to ask questions, free to be curious. And I think if there's anything uh that people get from our conversation, one the TRE stuff, let's not forget about that. <laughs> and also to question how things work, to question, you know, I remember watching that uh documentary Heal. Yes, great I, documentary. So cool. And that one woman who like died, was dead, had stage four cancer and woke up radical remission, tumor started to go away. Like that kind of stuff shows you that we don't know how it works. And you're talking about like healing and this ability to heal and what you've done with your life, which is heal and then 
help other people heal through conversations like this and through um, the products that Organifi makes and, and just what you put out into the world. And, and I think for people to just get a, to touch the energy that you're sharing today to say it is possible, like that's what I want people to recognize is like you're not in a stasis. You're not in a static form. What your attachment style is, what your relational challenges are, what your body stuff is, like all of it can change. And, and just to offer people the, the, the gift of possibility, I think is transformative. And I'm, I'm feeling that certainly from this conversation. Likewise, my brother, it's always good to talk to you. And I, I think people, you know, are left with information that they can now apply to their own life to feel better. And when we feel better, we can love better. And uh, that's what this is all about. Like you're living, you're a living demonstration of that. Like how dynamic you get on these videos when you're teaching uh, people about love and setting boundaries and showing up in a different way. Like it's, it's dynamic and it's shifting people, man. There's thousands of people leaving comments on your Instagram videos and, and YouTube and everything that you do. And uh, yeah, I acknowledge you for changing the planet and the world through your individual efforts to make people whole, dude, to, to realize that they're already there. There's nowhere to get. You need to be reminded. Yeah. You know, it's the gift of awareness. Yeah. And I think that gateway can be through uh, any path that makes you feel a space of safety and surrender. Mm -hmm. So my friend, I appreciate you. I can't wait to have more of these conversations. I think we need to probably get into one on psychedelics because I could always go down that path, <laughs> uh, that, that journey. Uh, but in general, I, I'm so grateful for you to be on here, grateful for what you've created with your life, grateful for you sharing um, what has been your pain into your transformation. So mm. for people who want to find out more about you and want to follow you and chat with you, where do they, where do, they do that? Yeah. So if they go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and you use the code create the love, you actually get 20% off, which is unheard of, you guys. Shit. Thank you, sir. That is actually we, a tremendous. Yeah. We, we love what you're up to and we want to honor every single person that uh, wants to try Organifi and apply it to their life so that they can feel as good as you and I do. So thanks for having me on, brother. This has been awesome. A generous gift. So appreciative, especially because I love everyone should buy chocolate gold. Uh, it's the best and the Rick green juice, but you do you, you do you boo. You whoever do you, boo -boo. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate you being here today. Likewise. We're in this together and feel free to follow me at uh, Drew Canole on Instagram, which is just Drew and then C-A-N-O-L-E. And I look forward to connecting there. If you have any other questions in regards to this, send me a DM. I respond to all of them and I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you, sir. Well, have a beautiful day. You too.